Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks and praise. We thank you for your love. We thank you for Christ Jesus. We thank you for your word, your enduring word. We pray this morning that we are filled by the power of the Holy Spirit, that our hearts, our souls, our mind are lifted up unto you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I bet it's safe to say that the last 18 months have been quite the roller coaster for you. There's been a lot of ups and downs, and I'm going to guess that you know or know of someone who has passed away, either from COVID, from cancer, or some other ill, whether it happened quickly or it was a long time coming. Someone you know is no longer here. I'm also going to guess that it's been quite the roller coaster having so many conversations about masks or no masks, about vaccinations or no vaccinations, about all the politics and all the upheaval, about all the social unrest, the racial unrest, and all of the things that are happening with the economy right now, right? This has been a roller coaster of the last 18 months. And quite frankly, it's really hard sometimes to give thanks when we have circumstances like this. I mean, you take a look at the news, you also see that drug overdoses have increased, that depression, suicide, there are things that are going on. And yet, and yet, you and I, are to be thankful in all circumstances. I mean, so how, how are we to understand that? How are we to give thanks? I mean, it certainly can't be a platitude, can it? I mean, that song, if you know that song, Don't Worry, Be Happy, you know that one? That only lasts so long, doesn't it? Enduring thanks doesn't come from just platitudes or a song like that. So the question before us today is, how do we have enduring thanks? The question is, what transforms us into people who have enduring thanks no matter the circumstances? That's the question before us today, especially as we come before this day called Thanksgiving. So let me tell you about a man who has enduring thanks no matter the circumstances. His name is Paul, and I'm going to read to you from Paul's own words, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul was imprisoned with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes, lest one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from these other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for the churches. 
that's Paul, and his circumstances. As a matter of fact, he wrote a number of letters from prison knowing that ultimately he would be executed, that he would be killed. And yet, and yet, Paul was a man of great rejoicing and thanks. Read his letter to the Philippians. Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. As a matter of fact, if you take a look at his letters, the word thanks or thankfulness is found 30 times, 35 times throughout his letters. And that doesn't count count the times he talks about blessings and other things. He was a man of enduring thanks. And now we come to this letter to the church in Thessalonica, or we would call the Thessalonians. And this is what he wrote. He said, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So rejoice, pray, give thanks. These are not written as suggestions. These are actually written as commands. We are commanded to rejoice. We are commanded to pray. We are commanded to give thanks. And why? says right there, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So we're to give thanks in all circumstances. And so where do we find enduring thanks? Well, we first don't look to ourselves, we look to God. We look to God with his steadfast love. So let's go to Psalm 136. I'm going to read the whole thing. You've just got the first verse in there. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him alone who does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. We give thanks to the Lord for He is good. We say this every week, right? God is good all the time and all the time God is good. Every week. It actually goes back to His steadfast love. Now Psalm 136 has 26 verses in it. And at the end of each verse it says, For His steadfast love endures forever. That's a lot of repetition, isn't it? You would think, well, do we need that much repetition? And, well, yeah, as a matter of fact, we do. We need that much repetition to remember that his steadfast love endures forever. Now, that word steadfast love, we've actually covered it before, but a little repetition. (laughs) If David can write his steadfast love endures forever 26 times, I think I can repeat this maybe three or four times in a course of a year and we're still okay. Steadfast love. It's the word hesed. We covered that quite a bit, uh, actually just a couple weeks ago, but also in our study of Ruth. Hesed. It means steadfast love. It means loving kindness, mercy, compassion, grace, love, and faithfulness. God's hesed was so important to Israelites They hung on to it. 
they hung on to it, not only in the good, but in the bad as well. So if you take a look, what they had is in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6 and 7. And if you want, you should probably note this in your Bible, Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 and 7. This is what they held on to. The Lord passed before him, this is Moses, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions of sin. This was the character, the nature of God, his steadfast love. And when it talks about for thousands, it's not about the year thousands. It's just a number that is so large that it talks about an eternal number. So large you really can't count it. So his steadfast love is eternal. With the Lord, his steadfast love is eternal. And this is critical. Because if you want to have enduring faith, we don't first look to our feelings because those go up and down. We don't look to our desires because those can go up and down. And we don't look to our circumstances because they go up and down. We look to the Lord himself because his steadfast love endures forever. His steadfast love is the light which, guards, which guides us when we are in darkness. His steadfast love guides us when we are in the valley. His steadfast love is the anchor. So we are not tossed to and fro by the winds of culture and circumstances. His steadfast love endures forever. And so, oh, we cling to that. We look to that alone. And his steadfast love is made manifest for us in who? In Christ Jesus. That's where his steadfast love is made manifest for us. And so, Paul opens his letter to the Thessalonians this way. Uh, I'm going to read through verse 5. We give thanks to God always for you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and of steadfast hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, for we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Paul give thanks, gives thanks to them because they have that hope, the steadfast hope in Christ Jesus. And the gospel they heard isn't just an intellectual gospel. It isn't just a Sunday-only sort of gospel. It is a gospel not of platitudes, but a promise. It is a gospel that filled their heart that filled them with conviction. It is a hope made alive by the Holy Spirit, and it says with full conviction, that's the hope they had. And it was an enduring hope because of Jesus Christ and the gospel. Listen, you cannot have enduring thanks if you have no hope. 
You can't have enduring thanks without enduring hope. And you can't have enduring thanks without the gratitude that comes from knowing Jesus Christ and that you are forgiven in your sins. You can't have enduring thanks without the gratitude that comes from knowing that you are forgiven in Christ Jesus. That you have the promise of eternal life in Him. You see, giving thanks comes because you have a heart of gratitude. You are grateful. And if there's no gratitude in your heart, and by the way, take a look at our culture. I think we're really at the low ebb tide here of gratitude in our culture. And it affects each and every one of us, whether we like to think it or not. But if you don't have that gratitude, you can't give thanks. The bell choir in just a little while is going to be playing give thanks. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Yeah, that's really where thanks comes from, from that gratitude. Look, in the Old Testament, the Israelites' gratitude was central to who they were. You you take a look at everything. It pervaded their ceremonies, their customs. They offered thanks, blessings. They offered thanks and acknowledged the blessings from God. Feasts and festivals were celebrated in remembrance of God's steadfast love throughout their history. They looked at creation. They thanked God for the creation. They thanked Him in the good times. They thanked Him when times were not good because they trusted God that He was sovereign over all things. So, they had a grateful heart throughout. Now, in the New Testament, we have God's love made manifest for us in Christ Jesus. The one who came, who suffered, who died, who rose again. He's the lamb who took away the sin of the world. He is the line of the tribe of Judah. And all nations, all peoples, will give him honor and praise and thanksgiving. This is what it says in Revelation chapter 9, uh, chapter 7, verse 9 through 12. After, I, after this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with psalm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels are standing around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Heaven is going to sing his praise with thanksgiving. We too can sing his praise with thanksgiving. And when we look to Christ Jesus, who is eternal, we can have eternal thanks, enduring thanks. Now, you might say, 
Well, that's good. I mean, because it's nice that all of heaven is singing His praise and thanksgiving. And you know what? When you have a mountaintop experience, it's really good to be able to give thanks, right? Because you are grateful. But I don't know about, (laughs) look, I don't know about you. Most of my time isn't spent on the mountaintop. Most of my time is much lower. As a matter of fact, a lot of times it feels like we're in the valley, not the mountaintop. So the question is, can we still have enduring thanks in the valley? Now, uh, um, uh, most of you know, but not everybody knows, that last Tuesday I had an eye incident. I was helping move some stuff. It wasn't strenuous work at all. I was just moving some things around here. And I was outside, and I thought a bird flashed by because it was like something. And it wasn't a bird, but I noticed that I had a pretty large black dot. Now, I've had floaters before, but this was like I've never noticed them just appear like that. And I didn't pay too much attention to it because like, all right, that's just part of life. But then around 5 o'clock when I went to bring the signs in, I noticed when I moved my eye back and forth quickly, I was getting rings of light around it. That was different. So, of course, what did I do? You research it. It was like, oh, that could be a detached retina. So I called uh, one of our members, retired optometrist, and got a little doctorly advice because, uh, of course, by 5 o'clock, everything's closed, right? Yeah. So could be detached retina, bad news. Could be something else. So on the recommendations of several people, I ended up uh, Wednesday morning making a number of phone calls. Who knew that Wednesday was such a busy eye day? I didn't know. I mean, I called and people were full up. The one clinic, which has about 10 offices throughout the valley, I was on the line for a half hour while this woman graciously called and found every clinic and there was only one opening, one opening at 1.40 in the afternoon in Glendale. Now, you know, I know everybody, everybody I said that to, it's kind of funny, it's like, oh, Glendale, man. Uh, but you know what, it's, an hour drive wasn't that bad. So uh, I went there. And by the way, it's pretty interesting, you know, because I'm thinking about this sermon and giving thanks. And it's interesting how God often gives pastors a little bit of a lesson before you actually have to give the sermon. So I'm thinking, all right, give thanks, right, in all circumstances. And uh, so I'm, uh, I'm there and I thought, all right, well, let's put this into practice. So I got there. They were extremely professional extremely professional. Uh, you know, I, I, I got pictures of my eye, eyes dilated, all that stuff. But the best part was the doctor, his first name's Bob, I'm going to say Dr. Bob, was the most thorough, most gracious, most friendly, loving, Christian doctor that I had met. And he's looking at my eyes. Everything turned out, by the way, I'll tell you in a moment what was the issue. I mean, he's, the eye pressure was good. The optic nerves were good. He said I had good maculas, which I never knew they were good looking before. So there you go. That's one part of me. 
I have a little freckle in my left eye. Didn't know that either. Um, He said it's called a vitreous detachment. So, and he says there's no cause than that other than it happens when you get older. There you go. But you know what? He was, think about this. The one guy who was open at that time was such a strong Christian, even looking at my eyes, he said, yes, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. I mean, like really. I, and do you know what feeling I had? I was grateful. And I prayed for him in the room. His assistant was right there. And I gave thanks for him and everything. And for everybody who gave and sent prayers and emails, guess how I felt? Thankful. Uh, Grateful. So I give you thanks for all of that. Now, so that's my event. There's nothing doing except I have this black dot which is slowly dissolving. Okay? Now, is that a valley? Nah, not really. It's not a va- I mean, it was a small dip, right? Could have been a valley, but it was just more of a small dip, a little more like God saying, here, remember? But we do go through valleys, don't we? And Scripture doesn't overlook those valleys whatsoever. So there's Job, right? Story of Job. Job, in one fell swoop, basically it's like one afternoon, right at one after another, uh, he lost his servants, his property, his animals, and his sons and daughters were killed. I mean, just wiped out, killed. This is what he says, Job chapter 1, verse 20, 21. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head, and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But it gets worse from there. Job chapter 2 talks about how he's afflicted with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, and it gets worse from there. And yet... And yet, he says this, chapter 19, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at last he will stand upon the earth, and after my skin has thus been destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. I know my Redeemer lives. There's enduring thanks even when everything is taken away. There can also and should be also enduring thanks when we are in the valley of our own making and we are being disciplined by the Lord. Can we still have thanks, enduring thanks, when God disciplines us? And so just go to the story of Job, uh, sorry, of Jonah. So, God said to Jonah, go to Nineveh. Jonah said, I don't think so. And he went the opposite way. He was going to travel 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. Not just a little ways, but 2,500 miles. And God was not deterred by Jonah. And so there was a big storm. 
thrown overboard, right? And then he's swallowed by a, a great fish, a whale. You know the story of that. So imagine Jonah in the belly of the great fish. Now, I would encourage you to read chapter 2. I'm just going to read parts of it. I prayed to the Lord, uh, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, which is the grave, I cried, and you heard my voice, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. And then towards the end, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed to pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. In the belly of the fish, and you can think of how bad that would be, there was still thanksgiving. And God had the fish vomit Jonah out. And you know, when we're in the valley of our own making, sometimes God will discipline us in such a way that it feels like what happened to Jonah. Sometimes we're in the valley by our own doing, and the Lord disciplines so that we turn and follow His will, word and His will. And even when we are being disciplined, we should give thanks. Even when it seems like there's certain death facing us. Now, I began this message actually talking about death, right? Because that's really where everything comes to a head. Can you give thanks, enduring thanks, even when death is certain, when death is at the door? Can you still give thanks then? So now we're going to come to our gospel reading today. It was on the night in which Jesus was to be betrayed, the Last Supper. It says this, Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus knew that his death was imminent. In just a short time, he would be handed over. He would be betrayed. He would be handed over. He would be given a, a mock trial, really, and then crucified. And yet, and yet, he took time to give thanks to God. He took time to give thanks for God's steadfast love. His steadfast love that is so great that he gave his only son so that through him you would be forgiven. So that through him, through Jesus, you would be redeemed. And because the Son faced death, 
died, rose again. You and I, even when death is knocking at the door, can give thanks. Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we give thanks in the good times and we give thanks in the deep, dark valley. We give thanks in all circumstances because this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. This is enduring thanks. So this week, this year coming forward, be filled with gratitude. First, focus on His steadfast love. I mean, this is why we say God is good all the time and all the time God is good every week because it's that refrain, His steadfast love endures forever and it just works in our soul. And then look to the cross. Know Jesus Christ and what He has done for you. Because really, some of the most important words when we do the Lord's Supper, for you. His body given for you. His blood shed for you. Ponder that and be filled with gratitude. And then give thanks with a grateful heart in all circumstances. And to that we all say, Amen.